already grab your Bibles, hold them up. This is my Bible. God's holy word. I can be what it wants me to be. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not leave the same. All right, Psalms chapter number 13. Psalms chapter number 13. Can I make you nervous and tell you we're going to read an entire chapter? Does it make you nervous? <clears throat> Hopefully not. We all know that outside of a few of the Psalms, 119 obviously, that most of the Psalms are relatively short chapters. Psalms chapter number 13 says, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. When we, uh, we're, we're, I know we constantly go back to it, but the, the story of the... Uh, a guy's with the master, and he, he gave the guy five talents. What did, what did he expect from the guy when he gave him five talents? Now, we know that he gave him five more back, but did he really expect five more back? I don't, I don't know. I, based on the conversation, I would say I don't know that he was necessarily expecting five more back. Same thing with the guy that got two. But he did say to the one that took the, just got the one talent and buried it, didn't do anything with it, he called him a wicked servant. Why? Because he didn't do anything with it. The, if you want to say the moral of the story, God expects us to increase what he has entrusted to us because someday we'll have to give an account. But I know this is an interesting topic. We're on the grace of ownership but this morning we're going to talk about the grace of ownership in trials and suffering you say pastor you make it sound like trials and suffering is a good thing no but it's an inevitable thing it's part of life and it's going to happen and so i want us to keep that in mind listen god expects everything that he gives to us or allows to happen to us however you want to word it he entrusts listen he entrusts us with trials and suffering we don't like to think about it that way we we know the the, the famous saying you you know God's not going to put any more on you than you can bear that's that's not true God's not going to put anything on you more than he can bear. And he can bear a lot. That's why we have to, again, just allow him to do things. We're just along for the ride. Lord, I want to thank you this morning because you, you called us to be stewards and owners and, and 
make profitable all the things that you give to us. And so many times we, we think about that in the positive, the, the blessings and the uh, resources, but Lord, it's in everything. In the trials and the suffering. So Lord, I'm asking that you would minister particularly to those who might be suffering this morning. Today would be a source of encouragement and help. That it would equip those of us who aren't suffering to be prepared for it. Or that it would help us to be ready to talk to those who are suffering. Lord, so we're asking your help because we understand that this cannot be accomplished without your work in our lives. In your name, amen. Like I said, I know this is an, an interesting idea, so pay attention, right? <laughs> the question is, is okay, I, you know what the Lord wants you to do and where you're going with some things, but not that you necessarily want to twist the Scriptures to say what you want it to say, but you, you want it to fit, if you will. Where in the world are we going to address this issue. We're going to spend time that would result in comfort and hope to those who are suffering and at the same time would help those who aren't be prepared for it. Flip over to Ephesians chapter number 5. Verse number 18. says, And be not drunk with wine, where is an excess? But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving things always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This idea of speaking to in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody under the Lord in your hearts. The three words, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are actually three words that were used in the Greek in the Old Testament to describe the book of Psalms. Speaking of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs are not talking about the various categories, but are literally referring to to the book of Psalms. Look at Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3. Verse number 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. In both passages, we find the, revol the results of someone who is spirit-filled is letting the Word of Christ dwell richly in them. And they're going to share that through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we shouldn't be surprised then that we land here in the book of Psalms to help us, to instruct us, to teach us. And let's just be... If, for those of us, I'm assuming it's all of us, 
of age at least that we've read through the Bible and we do it on a regular basis, we've come to the realization that Psalms is for hurting people by hurting people. They speak incredibly well to people who are suffering. We never argue with the person who has been through something similar that we've been through. It doesn't have to be the exactly the same, but there's some excuse me, some things that we go through that can help us when someone else goes through something. I called a friend of mine, or he called me, I guess, and I tried to call him back this week. It didn't go through, but he called me, and I was listen. He's going, he's doing some dumb things. He's going through some hard times, and I says, listen, I, I know that I disagree with you. I know the vast majority of people disagree with you because you're doing some dumb things. But I remember when I went through a hard time, everybody threw me underneath the bus. And in my humanity, I want to slap you upside the head with a two by four because you're doing some dumb things. But I want you to know that you're still my friend. Advice comes, tends to come a little easier. It's a little easier to swallow when we have shared experiences. So with that in mind, there's three things I want us to look at. Help us to understand how to respond in grace through the ownership of our trials and suffering. The first thing, express honestly with the Lord. Look at verse number one. It says, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be, be exalted over me? Listen, David was honest with the Lord. Can you, I mean, he wasn't doing it out of anger, but I mean, he was very frank, very point blank with God. Think, think of the life of David. You get a bear. Lord, what do you want me to do? Kill the bear. Okay, check. We've been talking about checklists. This is David's checklist. Lion shows up. What do you want me to do with the lion? Kill it. Bare hands. Check. Samuel comes. You got any other sons? Well, you got David. He's, he's the baby. He's the runt. He's a nobody. Go get it. I want you to be king. Okay, Lord. Check. David, go take some food to your brothers. Okay, check. Who is this uncircumcised guy? What do you want me to do, Lord? Go kill him. Okay, check. And any time that God told David to do something, he did it. So, Lord, why in the world is this happening to me? And it gives off the appearance, at least, that God's not really answering him. How long? I'm not getting an answer. How long are these things going to happen? 
I'm doing, I've done everything that you asked me to do. How long will you forget me forever? David said. Sometimes it feels like the Lord's abandoned us. He uses it four times. This idea that he's been in, in trials. I'm not talking about having a bad day. You hear me often say, Dr. Howell's always said, be nice to everybody, everybody's having a bad day. I'm not talking about having a bad day. I'm talking about having lots of bad days in a row. I'm talking about no matter if you look backwards or you look forwards, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. If you've been having so many bad days, you can't remember the last time you had a good day, and it doesn't look like a good one's coming anytime soon. It's talking about a prolonged period of difficulties and challenges. For whatever reason, he believes that the God of heaven and earth has not chosen to act on his behalf. What about Job? When Job initially got the word of all the calamities that is taking place around him, servant after servant after servant kept coming to Job and saying, I alone am left. This was destroyed and that was destroyed and this happened. Job is absolutely resolved in his commitment to the Lord. But by the end, Job, he's not quite so strong anymore not because he's had a bad day but because he's having a lot of bad days in a row listen there's a concept that we can relate to prolonged suffering Lord how long is it going to take how long am I going to seek after you listen I, I, I'm telling you if you tell me to do something, I do it. Anytime that I need counsel, I ask you. Listen, it's, it's not the fact that, oh, I got myself in trouble and so I got to go go to my magic genie God. And that, No, this is not talking about someone who we would say walks with God daily. Lord, what, what, what's going on here? Verse number two, he says, How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart? Both in 1 Samuel chapter number 15 and 2 Kings chapter number 1, we see time and time again when David goes to the Lord and says, Lord, what do you want me to do? His direct communication David, I want you to do this. And that's exactly what David does. So David is asking, Lord, how long is it going to be until you speak to me again? Have you been there? Again, if we're adults, I think some extent you've been there. You're, you're doing everything that you know you're supposed to do. God, what am I supposed to do now? There's no answer. I'm, in, I'm having a bit of a hard time here, Lord. What do you want me to do? No answer. 
You check and make sure there's no sin in your life. There's no sin in your life. Okay, Lord, I don't know what's going on here. Don't answer. So David gets a blunt. And this isn't the only place where David gets blunt. There's a lot of times in Psalms where David gets blunt with the Lord. Listen, God's not offended. God's not bothered by the pointedness of David. But I will say this. You better have the right relationship with God if you're going to get blunt and pointed with Him. Because if you're going to get blunt and pointed with God, He's going to get blunt and pointed with you. You better make sure there's no sin in your life. You better make sure that you're doing what God wants you to do. See, God's not worried. If God didn't want it in the Bible, He wouldn't have put it in here. David didn't do anything wrong. God's not embarrassed by the words of David. And if we're going to understand the grace of ownership, then we're going to go through times in which we're just crying out to the Lord, how long? How long is it going to be? How long are we going to have to endure? Lord, why does it seem that those who are wicked prosper and I'm righteous and I'm suffering? Lord, how long is it going to be? Listen, we have to be honest. (laughs) God knows everything, right? He knows what you're really thinking. You can't hide anything from God. Well, I don't think that you should talk to God that way. Why not? You can't muddle under your breath. But we, we were all there, you know, mom and dad tells us to do something, and we, and mom hears it. Dad never hears it. Always hears it, right? Listen, that's, you can't. You might, you might as well just say it. God already knows you thought it. God already knows that you mumbled it. Be honest with God. If we're really going to take ownership, we've got to be honest, right? Second thing. Look at verse number three. Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Pursue the Lord no matter how it feels. Pursue the Lord no matter how it feels. There's an important turning here in verse number 3. And that's David. is choosing to pursue the Lord despite what it seems like, how he feels. The results don't matter. He chooses to pursue the Lord, you see, instead of saying that because it feels like the Lord has abandoned in me, that I'm going to abandon him. David, a man after God's own heart, turns and pursues the Lord. Lord, here's what it feels like. It feels like you've forgotten me. It feels like you've abandoned me. It feels like you're letting my enemies win. But I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to pursue other things. I'm not going to, I am going to continue to run after you. See, that's the message of the Psalms. And when hurting people run, listen, we all run. There's a, 
what is that old saying? When, when, when problems come, the vast, you, there's two natural responses, and I'm not saying either one of them was right or either one was wrong, but it's fight or flight, right? When something bad happens, you either fight or you flight, run. But the truth of the matter is if you're going to fight, you're going to run too. You're just running to the problems and away from it. When hardships come, we run. Things get worse when we run to the wrong things. Why do people start drinking life's hard? They can't handle it. So we're just going to have one drink. What do they say? I'm going to drown my sorrows. I don't like reality, so I'm going to smoke some pot. Go live in an alternate reality for a while. We're, we're running. Well, we've got to run to God. See, we, sometimes we pretend it doesn't really hurt. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Okay, loser. Moron. Idiot. Stupid. Didn't hurt one bit, was it? I mean, some people pretend that it doesn't. What are we running to? I told you the story of a, a Jew, German Jew. He came up with the idea of an alternate reality just so we could make it through everything. And listen, I don't even want to know what he had to live through in Holocaust and all of that. But none of this is real. It's just God dreaming. That's all it is. But he's pretending it doesn't exist. He had to go through something that honestly no one should have to go through. A continued hardship. But he pretended that it didn't exist. Maybe we go into a self-hate mode where we think we deserve it. That we were just miserable. Some people say maybe it's just a physical problem. They're going to have to be solved through some sort of treatment or magic medication. Maybe they already made mention to it, drugs and alcohol and other things. But we run many times and we run to the wrong things. What David realizes is that those are substitutes that will never supply the need. They may seem to make things feel better for a few hours. They might for a short period of time, but prolonged suffering will not be answered by any of those cheap substitutes. Look at a Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4.
verse number 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and to help in the time of need. Listen, we're supposed to come boldly to the throne. Nothing wrong with being pointed. Nothing wrong with it. Why? Because it's there where we find the grace, where we can take ownership. We've got to go through it anyway. It's already in our life. It's not like you have a choice. God is saying, hey, look, when you need grace, come and pursue it from me, and here's the answer. I'm going to give it. I am God of grace. I'm a God of mercy. I'm a God of compassion. All you have to do is come and pursue me. David specifically asked the Lord for three things. Consider. Lord, consider. Take careful thought of my experiences and my circumstances. Lord, pay attention to me. Understand what I'm going through, Lord. Be thoughtful about my trials and my suffering. Then David says, answer. Lord, please answer my question. How long is this suffering going to last? How long am I going to continue to feel like you don't care? And then David says, enlighten. What he's asking here is that God would be moved by compassion to do something about his suffering. Lord, I'm appealing to you, not on my own merits. I'm appealing to you on your merits. I'm asking you, as a result of your character, to come and rescue me. See, if when we go through suffering, pursue the Lord like David. Seek the Lord out in prayer and using David's request that God would provide answers to your questions, that He would be moved to help you, not because of you, but because of Him. Easier said than done, I realize. Open your Bible. Pray. But also in verse number 4, David talks about his enemies. He says, my enemies will overcome me and my adversaries will rejoice. In other words, Lord, either you're going to have to rescue me or I'm not going to be rescued. Listen, either, either you're going to do it or it can't be done. That's why it's so important for us. You've heard me say it all the time. If God ain't going to do it, we ain't going to. If God can't do it, we can't. I realize we've got to do everything that we can do, but we've got to make sure we're doing what God wants us to do. David in his life had lots of enemies. Think about it with me. Lots of enemies, right? He had his father-in-law. He didn't like him. 
Saul. He had the nations around him. He was constantly, listen, it's a very small period of time and they weren't continuous. But overall, there's been a very small period of time when David wasn't at war with somebody. Remember, David had the desire to build the temple and God says, no, you can't do it. Why? What's the reason that God gave David why he couldn't do it? Because you're a king of war. Listen, David had a lot of enemies. We don't know exactly which ones he's referring to here. But you see, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the enemies are. Because the identity of the, the identity of the enemy was not as important as the response to the enemy. Listen, it, it doesn't matter what our trials are. It matters what the response is to. Wayward kids. Spouses making foolish decisions. Unwise power decisions. Loss of a family member. Health problems. Loss of a job. Listen, it doesn't matter what the hardship is. It matters how we respond to it. Listen, that's why it's so important that we put our faith and trust in Jesus. If he can't get you through it, you ain't getting through it. And logically, why would he want to get someone through it who has turned their back on him. I'm not saying that he's not. He very well may choose to, but let's just be honest. You're far more likely to help your kids than you are to help a stranger. You may help a stranger. I'm just saying, we're far more likely to help family than we are to help people we don't know. Listen, God has this... Created in the image of God, we have the same characteristics. Listen, there's nothing sinful about not necessarily helping a stranger. Now, the Bible does say that you're in your power. If you have the ability, but it is sinful not to take care of your family. going under the assumption that most people in this room are saved. Listen, we're going to have trials. We're going to have suffering. We're going to feel like sometimes they've got the upper hand on us. Lord, I understand you're going to have to solve this. You're going to have to fix it. If you don't, I'm not coming out. Lord, my enemies are going to overcome and my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. 
And Lord, that's not that's going to reflect bad on you. Listen, they know. They know who I serve, right? God, if you let me go down, it's going to look bad on you. Think about that. Again, like I said, if we're going to talk to God this way, we better make sure we get pointed in blood. But listen, that, that, listen, uh, George Mueller, 1800s, four, I mean, $4 million in the 1800s is a lot more than $4 million is today. He'd lay out the bills. You've all heard the stories. You, you got me into this mess, Lord. You told me to start this orphanage. You told me to take in these kids. And you told me to build these buildings. Well, listen, Lord, you gotta, you gotta provide. If you don't, they're gonna all go to point and say, "Hey, God's fault." What did God do? Listen, God doesn't want to look bad. I just said that that we're created in the image of God. Guess what God has? God has an ego. He says in the Bible, I am a jealous God. That his is without sin, and ours many times are with sin. But listen, God doesn't want to look bad. And in the big picture, he's not going to. Listen, there might be some bleak times in life. Listen, when he's on the cross saying, Father, it's finished. It doesn't look very good. But listen, God's not going to look bad. Was that, was that little story? We, we've read the end of the book, right? Listen, I promise you, if we do what God wants us to do, I, listen, I promise you, He will take care of you. I don't know when it's going to happen, although I am fairly certain it's going to be last minute. Because God just likes to do things that way. I have a book. It talks about the, the annoying attributes of God. Listen, that's an annoying attribute of God. I realize He's perfect, and I'm not saying that He's sin. That's just kind of annoying. Why do you always have to wait to the last minute? You guys know I'm, I'm a planner. I like to have things laid out. And that's just annoying. People that wait till the last minute. God. But he's going to come through. Look at verse number five. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Trust in the character of God. Trust in the character of God. Look at look back at verse number one. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Now look at verse number six. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. David's bipolar. I mean, in our humanity, that's what we would say. Man, David's bipolar. You just got done saying that you completely forgotten me. I'm destitute. I'm poor. My enemies are going to overthrow me. There ain't nothing good in my life. 
but the Lord is bountifully with me. Why can David say that? In the present circumstances where nothing is going good in his life, he can make the statement, the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. It's because he trusts in the character of God. Trust in the character of God. Listen, this isn't a unique characteristic to just this psalm. It's in all the psalms. He recognizes the significance that God had in his life. That he's a kind God. That he's a loving God. And so when he feels like God has abandoned him or forsaken him, the reality is, is God always has a positive disposition towards him because of his loving kindness. David says, I'm going to rejoice in thy salvation. Not mine. Look at it, verse 5. In thy mercy and in thy salvation. Not ours. Listen, we, I, I, I know it goes to, you know, sometimes you just got to get out of your funk and do something for someone else. When we get self-centered, listen, the, the first several verses, how long are they going to happen to me? To me, am I going to have to go through this? My enemies, my adversaries. Listen, perspective changes everything. God's goodness occurs even in spite of our pain. This phrase, I will sing unto the Lord because He's bountifully with me, it's personal. He's just not saying, oh yeah, God, He's great, He's good, He's kind. He's saying God is good to me. He says, I remember the times when God worked in my life and I can be thankful for those times. And for the ways in which God works. And so I can end with the conclusion that God is good. It's a fact. The good news is that when we suffer, when we suffer and do what the Lord asks, come to Jesus, then perspective, the right perspective, is only a matter of time. But there's bad news when you see someone running the other way. They're not going to have joy. They're not going to have satisfaction. The fact of the matter is, is they're going to be a slave to a ruthless taskmaster with inevitable results. And if we don't run to the Lord, we're going to be a slave. If we do run to the Lord, well, that's the grace of ownership. For those that are, or for if you know someone who is suffering, let's encourage them to remember the Scripture speaks to situations that we're going through right now. The Word of God has something 
directly. David's, I can just imagine in, as, as David's writing this, as David's taking this, as David's living this, man, I really shouldn't be doing this. It doesn't, it doesn't seem right. Lord, but it seems like you've forgotten me. But he just simply cries out to the Lord. God, how long? How long is it going to take? Verses number 3 and 4 where we start confessing, Lord, consider, answer, enlighten. Listen, once you're, once we're, listen, there's nothing wrong with, say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, a brief pity party. Okay, it's going to happen. You've got to get out of it as quickly as possible. Lord, consider. Remember. Enlighten. And then we can acknowledge all of God's goodness for us. See, it helps us to be disciplined about our concern for the suffering. Life might be good for us right now. And if it is, praise the Lord for it. but it doesn't mean it's good for everybody. It helps us to understand where our friends are, where our families are, where just people who cross our paths are. It helps us understand where people are. It doesn't matter if they're in verses 1 and 2. It doesn't matter if they're in 3 and 4 or 5 and 6 helps us teach others how to suffer. Listen, it's inevitable. Doesn't mean that it's right, but it means that it's inevitable. Listen, we're, we know this, but sometimes we forget it. We live in a sin-cursed earth. It's, bad things are going to happen. But God gives us grace when we take ownership. We have the proper response and the proper perspective. We express our concerns to the Lord and we go to Him honestly. Pursue Him in prayer. Then we trust Him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We ain't bowing down. It ain't happening. Our God can rescue us. What's the next three words? But if not. Listen, you've got to leave the results up to God. And we all know this, but they still had to go into the fiery furnace. I'm sure in their mind they think, God, yeah, God's going to rescue us. I mean, we know that there's this possibility that He's not going to, but He is. I mean, we're doing everything that God wants us to do. We're serving Him. We're standing strong. We're not bowing down. God's going to rescue us. And 
when you get called up front, they give another chance. No, it ain't gonna happen. Everybody's staring. Right there in front of Nebuchadnezzar. They get bound and shackled and the guards start one step at a time. God's gonna rescue us. But if not, no, he's gonna rescue us. Maybe. Hopefully. Okay, Lord. They're opening the door. <laughs> Cranked it up seven times hotter. Killed the guys. And they weren't even in it. That burden and that suffering, it can kill everybody else. You better make sure you get that. Because you might, very well might have to go through. They took ownership of the sun. And they found grace when they did. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. Lord, we're thankful for everything that you do for us, Lord. And the verse, be thankful in everything, it doesn't say be thankful for everything. Listen, we don't have to be thankful for the hardships and the trials and the suffering. But we do have to be thankful in them. Why? Because there have been times in our life and it may have been a long time ago, it seems like, and it may seem like it's never going to happen again, but there have been times where you have been good to us. Be thankful for those times. We've all heard it. If the only good thing that ever happened to us is that we got saved, He's dealt bountifully with us. And we've all had other good things happen to us because of Him besides that. we just got to trust in God's character. We have to take ownership of the suffering and we'll find grace as the piano begins to play I don't know how the Lord spoke to your heart like I said from the beginning I know this is a different ideas topic don't even know why it was the one that the Lord laid on my heart but I do know this either you're going through suffering or you're going to go through suffering or you know someone who is going through suffering you may not need it today, but you'll need it someday. But if you need to do business with the Lord, the altar's open.